Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DeConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew P. Episode number 48, and we also have Becca this week. Hi. And it's early. This is like it is early. the earliest time we've recorded a podcast. It's 4 a.m. No, I'm just kidding. It's about <laughs> 9 a.m. That would be super early or late. But yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. So, so if we sound different, Different. It, this is my morning voice before I talk a lot. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel compelled to say good morning, home building land. Good morning. Like we're on the morning show. Yeah. <laughs> good morning, Vietnam. Yeah. That's, oh, that was one of my favorite movies. I'm going to take you back to 1986, 87. Probably totally there, inappropriate yeah. as a six-year-old. But I would go to my neighbor's house. We would play SimCity on his, like, I don't know what it was. It was a, it was a PC, but we would play the original SimCity game, which had mm-hmm. terrible graphics, but it was still amazing. And just play Good Morning Vietnam on repeat for like the it, entire summer it was probably rated pg though like way back then like maybe, you know, maybe. hard to get the rating to be any higher now it's like you know there's the uh i don't know the word the criteria the rating i think is a little more a little more strict but yeah pg who knows what and then happen. to prove my my nerd shops even further we would print out our cities using his father's dot matrix printer and you had to tile it out like this was the original oh, mine okay. like print out your minecraft world whatever <laughs> kids do today uh-huh. and we would lay it on the floor and it would it would occupy like in a six foot by six foot square of your town Amazing. it was it was awesome anyway a developer all right story time <laughs> nice i guess i'll go first this one is is a quick one but i think it's interesting so there's there's a few gyms where i'm at we're in a rather dense area they're all over the place and people will swap gyms all the time so this current gym they do a really good job of actually getting feedback from people that are active members so they'll send surveys out like i think it's like twice a year they should make the survey not as lengthy but it's like how are the trainers do they interact with you like how's the equipment do you feel like it's clean like all these like pretty quick questions but at the end it's like, do you have anything else you want to say? And I'm always like, okay, I'm gonna have something to say. Let's see. But based on the first time, this was like a year ago, I said something in there. And two days later, I get a personal reply from the manager. And it's like, hey, oh. I feel the same way. We're working on these things. And it was like this whole conversation of like, oh, there's actually someone that reads this and they're going to, you know, it's, in this case, it was certain equipment that I'm like, they should definitely have this. They have this piece of equipment. Why don't they have this thing? That seemed kind of weird. And sure enough, like a month after the survey, they bought some new stuff, brought it in. Well, they sent another survey a week ago and I just got the reply today. Same scenario like hey awesome really appreciate your feedback da, 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 da. I'm like this is crazy um so i thought i thought it was a fun story of actually responding to surveys when it makes sense to give feedback people yeah and especially if that feedback is neutral slash negative uh, mm-hmm. yeah mine was a, like there's negative there's positive and then there was stuff in the middle where you know it could go either way yep most people would want to focus though just because it's nicer easier on the positive um but there's a five-star resort in the pittsburgh area western pennsylvania called nemical and woodlands resort and it's an amazing place uh owned slash built by the founder of 84 Lumber. So it, it oh, has cool. no reason to exist there. It's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere in the woods, about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. It has its own airstrip, its own zoo, Ooh, uh, its cool. own two golf courses, I think, and a, a ski mountain in the, for the winter. It's just, it's this magical okay. wonderland of, of everything that, that shouldn't exist, but they have amazing service there. But the, the manager of the resort said that he personally responds to each and any negative comment or feedback given at the resort. And he, he does it because almost every time when they're is actually a response from him. He ends up getting to know these customers who are all paying a lot of money to be there really well. And, and even if he can't solve the problem, it definitely is diffusing it and making them feel heard. And so he just, yeah. that's his standard policy. I always respond to every negative. Yeah, I was, it, yeah. people sense. like feeling like they've been heard and listened to. Now, didn't you change gyms at the end of last year to the new gym across the street though? This oh. was, yeah, so this is a new one. I was at, I'll say names to make it easier. I was at LA Fitness. That was the only one in the, in the area. They built a new location and then oh, I was okay. there and then 
then at the old LA Fitness location, which is like a minute down the road, like 0.2 mile, just a couple lights, Crunch Fitness took over that one, remodeled it, made it actually what people are looking for these days. That makes sense. Like it has all the equipment, whatever, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and so they're, everything about there is just based on customer versus LA Fitness. Everything is very corporate and LA Fitness oriented versus the mm-hmm. opposite is at Crunch. They're like, hey, you could use, you could use chalk. You could bring in, if you want to use bands or, or chains, if you're into that stuff, like on the bars, all this stuff. Like <laughs> you 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 want. I'm, lo- totally I'm losing you, but now. like they don't like, they let the people that are like super, super into it do what they want to do. What I do um, understand is the pools let you bring your own flotation devices for your kids. Oh, That's cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Versus, so it, no, you can't bring that in here. Yeah, versus so like LA probably, would yeah. be like, you'd have to like use their stuff. It's like, oh, that's not approved. We can't, you can't use that on our equipment. And it's like, what do you mean? This makes no sense. Like versus this other gym, like not anything goes like, but things that are used comedy like this one. Right. They're totally right. cool. With, um, yeah. So it obviously works. Like they're super busy. Everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. No one complains. Got it. But, I just, I, I, yeah. I thought you just changed gyms. So I was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's been, time flies. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, crazy. it's been like, ooh, like a year, I think. Yeah. All right, Becca, how about you? Well, we got a new house update. So um, we just did our pre-drywall meeting and it went really smoothly. Um, We just pointed out all the electrical and HVAC and plumbing and made sure everything was right where it needed to be, which it was, of course. So no issues? No issues. Super easy. Yeah. And then Sunday, we had an awesome event. Uh, I got an email sometime last week. Hey, come join our meet your neighbors party. Um, It's going to be catered at the model. Uh, There were tons of people there and we got to meet all of our new neighbors, some that have moved in, some that are still building like Gus. And um, I never would have thought how much it added to the total experience of building a home. To be able to meet your neighbors before you move in, maybe not the ones directly next to you, but uh, at least in the neighborhood so you could get a chance to meet people and find cool people you could hang out with once you live in there. That is cool. I bought We bought the topsoil home site at the builder that I worked for in Pittsburgh. And Andrew, if you don't know what that is, it's just this huge freaking pile of dirt that they... <laughs> pull from so that every other house as it gets finished they pull gotcha. the topsoil from that pile spread it around and and so we knew we weren't going to be able to build there for like a year and a half which is fine because we wanted gotcha. to continue to save money but yeah. we went and trick-or-treated for two two different holidays in that nice. neighborhood <laughs> we're like people would always be like oh where do you live we don't live here yet we're just we're going to live here that, uh, that right hole now, over there the town no dirt that's ours yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, so definitely. And then the other thing that you reminded me of, Becca, was when we built our first house here in Ohio, when we signed the contract, the sales rep said, okay, great. Would you like to have your information added to our community Excel file kind of sheet? And it had, he's like, because this is going to be awesome for you if you want to be part of it, because you'll get to see the names of all of your neighbors. But then if they have children who are babysitting age, they note that on there, you know, they have different information about who watches dogs or whatever. So it was kind of Insta community, like you're talking about, of like, oh, okay, great. We're not just moving into a new home then yeah we didn't have kids yet but we're like if we did have kids this would be amazing to have 15 babysitters right yeah, right right yeah. so yep yeah they they That's asked awesome. for permission to add us to the facebook group and email group for the neighborhood so yeah same deal awesome nice yeah that's super cool i'm jealous i hope we have something like that how many homes are in your community? uh i think 70 in total and there's only oh, 12 okay. left oh nice okay. nice yeah yeah almost every, i feel like every neighborhood these days big 
big or small has some type of Facebook group or what is that next door? Oh yeah. Yeah. Group. So I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll have one. If not, you can start it and you can be the mayor of, I uh, know. I'll be the mayor. <laughs> Artisan preserve, mayor of Artisan Art- preserve. There you go. Or something. There you yeah. Go. President of the HOA. No. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll give a quick update. I, I totally neglected to talk at all about our trip to Guatemala last week. So I'll just give a quick update on that. It was awesome to go back. We were there for a week. We spent uh, time in four different villages outside of Guatemala. Why do we go down there? My wife has an acquaintance that she went to high school with who now runs feeding centers in all of those different remote villages. Fortified rice and beans to the children. They also help reconstruct homes. Uh, there was a 30-year civil war, partially slash mostly caused by the United States, uh, the CIA dropping leaflets to try to overthrow the government. Story for another time. But <laughs> so, the, so the whole place is messed up uh, because of that 30-year uh, civil war. All they really can eat is corn and there's not enough different vitamins and nutrients in the corn. So they have tortillas, they drink corn water. And one of the people that we spent a lot of time with in one of the villages uh, was a girl who was 15 years old, who's the same height as my nine-year-old. Oh, wow. um, not because they naturally would be short there, but because she just doesn't have enough nutrition to grow properly. So we go down there once a year um, to try to, to help out and, and do what we can. So we took a bunch of supplies down from t-shirt proceeds and all the other different things that we've done at Do You Convert. And then our friends and family and kids doing lemonade stands, all that kind of stuff, took down supplies there. And it was awesome. One of the highlights for sure was being gifted. Our family was gifted a rooster by one of the children that we sponsor down there. And I'll try to make this quick, but originally we said like, of course we can't take any live animals because that we, we can't take it back to the United States. We tried to explain it. And like, no, 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 you, you really have helped out a lot and given us so much. We want to give something back to you. And that's like two weeks wages wow. roughly for an adult wow. male chicken. And so we were like, no, this is, this is crazy. And they're like, you have to take the rooster. The, our friends were like, just take the rooster. And then when the family leaves, we'll give it to another family so they can eat it for dinner. And um, so that's what we did. And we got a good photo op from it as well, like modern day tragedy. But I, I, t- I held the rooster and I got a parasite from it. Oh my. Like not, oh. not really a big deal. Right. But so I've been joking ever since then that, you know, I don't love having a parasite that we have to kill in my body, but getting the picture for Instagram with the rooster was totally worth it. <laughs> so, you know, people have asked since then, are you not going to go back? Are you scared now? It's like, no, I, I still have food. I have a bed. I have a home. I have medicine that will kill this parasite. No big deal. Whereas everyone that we spent time with down there, they can't afford the drug to kill it. And in fact, pretty regular that, you know, younger children will die from drinking water that's not wow. safe to drink. So we're definitely going back. And but because of the parasite, I've been running on low at low steam. I haven't been able to post or do a video of the trip. You'll see that at some point. And this does tie into an actual real applicable part of my story time for builders, which is trust me, it'll it'll tie in at the end. But we're finally starting to see builders take advantage of a very easy and inexpensive way to do onsite registrations without paper registration cards. Yay. About two years ago now, we started with a builder in North Carolina and on your lot builder using basically landing pages, uh, using a tool like Unbounce and having those drop straight into their CRM system, which is Lasso and incredibly successful and easy to do. It's only 79 bucks a month for the essential plan to use Unbounce. And the vast majority of the builders we work with now have their own account at Unbounce. Um, So for 79 bucks a month, you not only can use that to make landing pages like we talked about in episode one of the podcast, landing pages forever, (laughs) for coming soon communities, uh, problem communities, but also just as a registration tool, you put it on an iPad, you have one page for each salesperson or community, have it dump into Lasso and automatically select the right salesperson. But just in the past, well, since the Builder Show, we've had a couple additional builders say like, we want to we want to hop on that bandwagon. And it's it's really, all things considered, incredibly easy and simple to do. And for 79 bucks yeah. a month, you don't right. have to worry about transcribing something 
something wrong, right? I can't read that email address because customer, you know, is yep. inputting the email address themselves. Just incredibly, incredibly helpful to get that information to go straight into the CRM system. It yeah. gives them power and control of what they give to you. So they're more likely to give you more because they're controlling it. Yeah. Or I think, I think also it's just, you do have to try to, well, let me, let me back up. For people who have sales teams that are already doing a good job of putting stuff into the system, yeah. it's just way faster and easier and you're going to get better data. For people yeah. whose sales teams are not putting stuff in the system, talk to someone the other day, you know, there's still about every five to six sales, one of the people they go and look for is not in the CRM. Okay. Uh, so for those <laughs> folks, this gives you an opportunity to give the customer an incentive, a reason to want to fill it out. So I still go back to the same thing again and again. Hey, would you like to get a list of all of the selections and paint colors used in the model home you're about to or, or just did to her sent to your email address? Yes. Yeah. Great. Fill this out. Here you go. Have it auto respond with the information that they are going to go see and always going to ask about anyway. Or you can even use something like the Zillow Instant Offers Program, Open Door, et cetera, and be like, would you like to get a free? No, you know, you don't have to use it at all, but just a just a rough number of what your home may be worth and be able to get that back with no obligation. Fill this out. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could use, but yeah, it's definitely something that people have been doing, but they've been doing it with really expensive systems that they're paying, you know, a thousand bucks a time to set up or it's just, it's crazy. It, it really can be yeah. super easy. And uh, so this is how it links all back to Guatemala. We we do, just because we have access to 30-ish uh, different unbalanced accounts with our current account and the builders that, that we work with who have chosen to use it, uh, they reached out and said, hey, would you like an affiliate program? And we don't really do affiliate programs, but if you go to now.doconvert.com slash unbounce, now.doconvert.com slash unbounce, you will get a 30-day free trial, which you get anyway, but also 20 bucks, 20% off the first three months uh, that you use the service. And I honestly, because we don't do this and I don't pay attention, I don't know what that gives us. I'm guessing we get that 20%, which would be what, like 15 bucks? Something. Yeah. I can't imagine this lifetime, but maybe it is, there's a lifetime. I don't know, but all of that will go back to this same uh, program called Suffer the Children Guatemala. It'll all get funded back there because we don't, we just don't really do affiliate programs. So if you want to test it out for 30 days and you can go straight there and not use the, the code or you can go to now.doconvert.com slash unbounce and help kids who aren't growing grow. <laughs> and um, I was going to say it does integrate with every CRM, but then if you're on Lasso specifically, yeah. they've yeah. definitely gone through every type of scenario uh, with our yep. builders as far as support. And they're, they're usually pretty quick with it. Oh yeah. No, they Work do a great well. job. And there's a good help file there yeah. within Lasso as well. But um, the, your, your client director will definitely help you out. Yep. Awesome. All right. Let's shift over to the news. We're bad at this one, but I, I put my uh, my posts, I think that Becca's going to put up, out there on the interwebs today. Yeah. The proof is in the data. You need more content. Um, so essentially, what I did was I created segments in Google Analytics. A segment would be you know a portion of all the people that visit your website. And my theory was like, what? how did the people interact that turn into a lead with the content on the site versus people who don't turn into a lead? And will that tell us anything? Or are both sets of people, both segments, or are they the same? They both spend five minutes on the site. I have no idea. So I created the segment. Segments, which uses conversion tracking. So one is first segment, people that converted that you know did a goal, they completed a goal. And the other segment is if they did not complete a goal. And I was really surprised, you know, the difference in you know, time on site, pages viewed, those who converted and those who did not convert. It was almost you could double or triple the time on site. Some people are 10 minutes on Facebook for this for one builder versus two minutes for wow. the people who did convert. I'm like 10 minutes, that's a long time. That's seriously mm -hmm. that's a lot of stuff. It was yeah, it was double or triple. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's pretty pretty cool and convincing, I think, if it's leadership or whoever's like, ah, oh, we don't really need 
that many pictures. We don't need pictures for every inventory home, or we don't need that Matterport, or we don't need that. Like people don't look at it like, well, the people that end up contacting us, they're on the site a long time. And you can look at yeah. individual sessions and some people are on there for like an hour and a half. What are they doing? Like they're, they're reading everything. And that's probably the person that is going to, you know, probably mm-hmm. maybe they'll spend more. I have no idea. They'll be really nice to be able to get that data. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they will consume everything, I guess, is, is intent. It's also post. just a great, it's, it's a good blog post to talk about that need for more content. It's also just a good example of using segments, which, I mean, there's so many different things that you can do with that. You could create a segment of just people who have returned back to the site. So re- return visitors, and you could look and see what was the source that brought them to the site originally. Uh, so kind of what's your initial feeder source from a marketing standpoint that then brings people who come back again and again and again, who are likely for later on. There's, I mean, there's, you can look at just mobile. I mean, even the other day I was looking with someone uh, creating a segment of people who stay for zero seconds or just looking at the amount of time, the percentage of traffic from a particular source that stayed longer than 10 seconds because averages can fool you, right? Like you just said, oh, yeah. you've got someone who's on there for an hour and a half. That mm-hmm. does a lot of counterbalancing to, to oh, yeah. 20 people who stuck around st- stuck around for 10 seconds. Yep. So when we did that, there was one particular source where 90% of the traffic disappeared because it was under mm-hmm. 10 seconds, even though the average looked like it was about a minute. You know? So Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That'll change. That. And again, that doesn't mean that that's a bad source because if that 10% stuck around that significantly long time and ended up converting, it still works out. But it does, yep. you have to wonder like, what's this other 90% all about mm-hmm. too and dig into that. Yep. So go there for two reasons to look at what Andrew's proving to you, but also just to get a sense of how segments work in analytics. Yeah, pretty neat. Definitely underutilized. Yep. All right. What's the next one? Next one is from Facebook. This one I'm super excited about. So we have the relevance score, which is the ad. How relevant is the ad to the audience? And it's a you know one through 10 rating. And that's what we've had for years. Like, hey, it's a, I think six is, is kind of like their neutral number. Anything less than six is not good. Anything above that is, is good. So we aim, I would say that we do aim for nine and 10. We pretty much always get tens. I think part of that's because we're using conversion campaigns. So it's going to be better anyways. And then we really yeah. try to do a good job with the copy and the pictures and, and making it a good ad. So this where Facebook is getting rid of, rid of relevance score and they're giving us three different metrics. First one is quality ranking. And so that's the ads perceived quality compared to other ads competing the same type of people. That's that one. Let, let's that's, just unpack that one because yeah, relevance score always mean? bugged me because yeah. relevance score didn't really mean much, even though it's nice to get the nines and tens because your cost is less. Mm-hmm. It was essentially just yeah. a different way of saying click through rate. I mean, if because it wasn't looking at their behavior on the site and it wasn't necessarily comparing you to everyone else. Whereas the quality ranking, it looks like they're specifically saying if you're targeting the same type of individual as someone else, are you be, are, is your ad better than them? Whereas the relevance score to me always felt more like just a, is your own ad on its own behaving well or not? Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yes. So I, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, that'll be good. And it gets yeah, all competitive stuff. Uh, the next one, engagement rate ranking, how your ads expected engagement rate compared with ads competing for the same audience, the same type of type of thing. And the next yeah, one. Yeah, that one's confusing because I don't know. I don't understand the difference personally. Yeah, I'm not sure really. if quality goes into, um, we won't really have these issues with, with homes, but um, say if you're, say mortgage, that might be the next easier thing. If it is a more spammy kind of clickbaity type of ad without getting the obvious clickbait versus uh-huh. someone who has a, a more educational, uh, better ad. What? Are people I mean, looking at it like, oh, that's junk. Get rid of me. They're hiding it from their newsfeed, not wanting to see it anymore. So I think their quality is taking into account people's hiding the, the post, the hiding the ad, which some people do if it's really bad. That may, my, my gut tells me that quality is going to be an overall score. Engagement is going to be liking, commenting, sharing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, conversion rate will be what you de- designate as a conversion slash clicking the link. Yeah. yeah. Which that one's that's interesting. Yeah. Conversion rate ranking. So when you create a conversion on Facebook, you have to select the conversion category. 
And with us, like page, if it's a page view version, that's a view view content category. If it's a form submission, then that's a lead category. So I'm assuming they're comparing based off of that category, how you convert versus other people for the same yeah. audience, yeah. which is interesting. I don't know how they do that in different industries, because if we're going after, say, Florida for leads, how does that compare against uh, mortgage refinance offer Florida leads? Like they have to somehow yeah. separate industries. I don't know how, but. Well, but I think it's probably going to go back. I don't think they care. I think they're they're looking at total inventory versus total ads run and what's performing better. And just like relevance score, giving a lower cost to the one that's performing better because some money is better than no money okay. with the inventory they're pushing. So I, I yeah. my guess is they don't really care if it's different industries. It's just which ones. So so that could mean if, if I'm assuming correctly here, which is dangerous, but <laughs> it could mean that home builder conversion rate ranking will not necessarily be great, right? For competing yeah. against someone who's going after the same audience for a much lower cost product that could not help us yep, potentially. we kind of target yeah. everybody, sort of. Well, that could be the way to get around it is just to yeah. have a, a larger target yeah. market too. Yeah. yeah huh. that's All right. Well, simple. on to something fun. Yeah. This one's really cool. We'll, we'll watch that yeah, one. Yeah, it but, is. Uh, a, a local guide, which is someone who adds content, kind of like Wikipedia moderators or I don't know what they call them there. Uh, those people are intense yeah, we, over yeah, there at Wikipedia. Are. But <laughs> the local guides are, are kind of like the moderator for Google Maps, uh, unofficial employees who add content with their 3D cameras or update, uh, give feedback to help things be current and accurate. One of them uh, intentionally accidentally leaked a new feature uh, that adds augmented reality as an option to the Google Maps uh, on your on your phone. So you can push a button and just look around you and kind of like Pokemon Go, just floating in the sky or big large letters with arrows saying, go this way. Uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> cool. It's a Twitter link. Uh, so you, it, it won't act like a normal website when you load it up, but it's it's something you should definitely should go check out. It's it's becoming more and more like that Tom Cruise movie that you reference all the time, Andrew. Uh, is that Minority Report? Minority Report. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. John Lee at Renier House will love this because this is. Yes, yes, he will. Yeah. Like yeah. you go to a coming soon community, there's nothing there. And then you look through your phone or your glasses and you see the home site lines, you see possible models, you could drop different houses on different lots. There's nothing there yep. except dirt, but yeah, yep. which it's coming. Yeah. Cool. If you're using the rendering house app to build out the home you like, then you just click go to it and it AR takes you right to it and they can just add at the end. You just drive right up to your augmented reality house that you just built in the app. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds totally. I mean, te- we'll give you 10 minutes, John. Go, yeah, go. build it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, and the last one for this week, you know, I'm, I'm titling this one myself. Why is this also hard? Uh, maybe you just don't understand your customer enough, i.e. it's not really about the tech. And this is from uh, usertesting.com blog post where they're kind of giving a quick overview of, a, of an in-depth Forrester article uh, slash white paper on digital CX trends and consumer experience is what CX stands for. And and this is the direct quote. The key takeaway for, for me was that digital CX continues to be more about understanding human behavior and finding design talent than it is about technology, which I, I just got super excited. There's a little voice inside of me that said, yes, when I when I read <laughs> that, because technology is something that anyone can acquire. It's a, it's the different way of saying something that I've said a lot before, which is do the things that are hard, do the hard work because your competitors can't copy you. Yeah. Technology is something that when someone creates a new technology that works, they will sell it to anyone who wants to pay money to use it. And so it will be easy to duplicate the tech on its own. You're going to have to pay for it, but you'll be able to have access to it. Whereas understanding the human behavior so that you can help the technology do things the right way is way more important. Give feedback to to the AI system. And the finding design talent also speaks to me just because as, I mean, that's what I went to college for was graphic design. Design talent is so underrated still in our industry of, hey, I'm just going to find someone who knows how to use Publisher or whatever. Yeah. And so much of customer experience and digital CX 
aspects to use the, the hype term, term yeah you know is just having good design yeah and, and then the, the other quote that i liked from it was just that forrester explains that just launching an alexa skill doesn't improve cx and an algorithm can actually make things worse for customers instead of better which again that's reality we've all been there uh, we, yeah. we've looked at all the old chatbot examples from two years ago when everyone said it was time to use chatbots and they couldn't do anything except for repeat the same sentence over and over and over and over again <laughs> which certainly would not have improved customer experience no. no but this actually reminded me of what my story would have been oh really earlier. good it so did. we were talking earlier it this did. week and I, I told andrew i was like this is the perfect story time thing you have to talk about this and we so this story for what it was so i was on facebook <laughs> and i'm like the perfect person to get i'm sure some of you out there you get these ads from these quotes gurus oh, yes. selling funnels so selling this. like they're like hey watch this video and, and kevin gets yeah. and they talk and, really fast and they move their hands yeah. around and they're like it's so annoying yeah really it's, intense it's awful there's like these coaches that like they buy the horse and they, they mimic the funnels and whatnot so this one it was a realtor product and i'm like okay i'll watch this it seemed interesting so what it is it was a but the product was a funnel to get seller and buyer leads for realtors which is what that's realtors every problem right and so it was a facebook lead ad so like the old school lead ads that don't really do anything yeah first oh. name last name email phone number where are you looking to move when are you looking to move like it was like eight questions which is a lot but you know that's and good. what was the promise that they were in the ad <laughs> like you fill out the lead ad to get what yeah they're getting a list of homes within a price range so that was the ad so it's like hey how to get i think the the ad copy was like how to get high value buyer and seller leads and so it was like are you looking for homes in tampa florida from 600 to 800 thousand you're like sweet that's a lot of commission let me get that i'm gonna buy this thing so the, the it did the lead format and all it did the lead format it collected information put it in a the crm like google sheet looking thing which looked it looked impressive like if you didn't know anything about any of this stuff you'd be like shoot there's like 100 people right there first name last name email phone number price range they're looking for time frame when they want to move do they currently own or rent are they pre-qualified you know that's that's an awesome list right but it took them to a redfin search results page which is like what <laughs> are you joking <laughs> like that's a pile of junk um yeah so i was telling kevin this just like like here's what i saw this is really interesting not in a positive way but just like blank slate here you go kevin here's some stuff that i saw and yeah kevin loved it no. and i went off <laughs> no, uh, i was did. like oh my gosh i hate everything about this yeah. one you're, you're you're gating a public website right so there's there's a certain mm -hmm. evil genius to this where they're pulling in data <laughs> from the lead form and potentially even pushing that back out to the redfin search that i mean did, did the redfin just did it just take you to the front page or did it actually have the criteria that you yeah entered? so it had the search so like you would like if, yeah. if i was a realtor i'd be okay. like i want these zip codes three three seven seven two seven seven six like certain ones and it takes you right to there and i would advertise mm -hmm. in those zip codes right and then you get the list but then it just goes you're just going straight to redfin like yeah like so you're gating end. this piece and you're promising something that you are not delivering on and so we were yeah. just talking back and forth like so becca you you fill out that lead form it sends you to a website that you already know you could have gotten to without becoming a lead when that person mm. follows up with you how do you yeah. feel you want to uh, do business with I, that person no i have no interest in doing business with them right because i could have done that myself and they've wasted my time yep. and now they're calling you and emailing you and texting you and potentially oh, i'm I, getting stocked if they're <laughs> smart they're at least doing it as a different company right so one yeah. company's running the ad and then another company or broker someone is calling up and just being like a happy accident moment of hey are you by chance looking i mean that would be the only smart way to approach your, it i got your name from my friend yeah the yeah. reason and i'm getting ticked off again just rethinking about this what this what this company did who's running these facebook ads with the fast talking whoa look at me i'm gonna make millions you can make millions whatever oh. is they they created the perfect product to sell to someone not the perfect product to get results but the yeah. perfect product because like andrew was saying he, he gave it to me as a blank slate but he was also kind of like maybe there's something here that we could use and we do this all 
the time, right? So if you were a struggling marketer at a home building company and you were like, man, I've got to fix this broken neighborhood and you're just surfing Facebook, you, here looks like the easy button. Oh my gosh, look, a hundred leads that this guy, I can get with this program for 500 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But literally the the ad, even though I never saw it, I can, I've seen enough of these kind of things going around there that it's just created to make a compelling visual case for buy this product from me, which is just as evil as evil gets, I think, when it comes to marketing. Yeah. Yeah. They were selling it to the <sighs> marketer yeah. to then sell to realtors was the. Like, oh, gosh. Right. That was the I'm sure they're they're targeting. So I'm going to teach you how to be an evil Correct. person. And it, Which I is mean, even more evil. It's evil. Like that would literally take like, <laughs> I don't know. I need to like make video of it. Like it would take like 20 minutes to set up like lead format, Facebook page. Like, yeah. Start to finish. So that's what they were selling right. to marketers to then email and call every home builder out there like, hey, I could get you buyer leads for, you know, nine bucks and they're and they're paying two dollars like that. Marketer. Yep. And then you're like nine bucks yep. a lead. Sure. Sign me up. And I get all this information. Neat. But yeah. exactly. And it made you just remind me too of this other thing right before the builder show. I've saved these slides because I'm going to use them later at some point. But I was on LinkedIn and I saw this ad and it said, pull it up. It says real estate, digital marketing and lead generation, uh, find buyers, sellers or both. And it has logos of Facebook, Instagram and Google ads. And it says for real estate. And I'm like, oh, OK, it's from mm. a company called I'm going to name them because you never want to use these people. Garonsky <laughs> Media. So Garonsky Media. And you click on it. It just takes you to uh, a lead form ad within LinkedIn. So you could I can just grab your information. But if you actually go, I was like, I'm going to check out this company's website. Who are these people? Never heard of them. And they're real estate experts. Go there. It is a it is a soda bottling marketing company, like for boutique. I don't know what. I mean, maybe Bizarre. craft beer or something, but they do digital marketing for soda. And they okay. literally have nothing on their current website about real estate whatsoever. Like they're literally just pivoting Ooh. and trying to either add a new business line or whatever, but they're running ads as being digital marketing lead generation experts for real estate. And you're like, mm -hmm. who, who are you? Like I, anyone can do that. We don't, we don't have any issue with other people doing this service, but have some, again, put it, have put in the work to be able to know what you're talking about. Cause yeah, I think soda and craft beer is a little bit different than a new home. I would think so. Oh, for sure. I think and, and yet, you know, again, I, I always just think about that marketer who's getting pressure. We've got to get sales. We've got to fix this neighborhood. Right. I mean, this, this yeah. ad will still work. They will get someone on the hook for it. I'm sure they will. And if you try it, you need to let me know what you do and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and oh, how man. many I'd be curious. I want to try it just to see how cheap I could get leads and then how it's not. I don't, it's just, it's not the truth. It doesn't matter. Like who cares? Like you got dollar leads. So, and then what, you know, it's like, it doesn't, ugh, you see it all the time. Yeah. Maybe I see it all the time because yep. every time I go on Facebook, I get an ad for stuff like that. And I'm like, we oh, yeah. do it wrong, but it doesn't do it. Like it doesn't, those will not buy a house or sell a house. Right? It's flashy. That's it. It, it just sounds really cool, yeah. but it doesn't do yeah. anything. It's like an infomercial for like some weird socks that like improve your, I don't know, your diabetic or something. And it's like, <laughs> really? Like people go see doctors for that. And you're saying these socks that are $100. Well, but they have copper in them. But so. they got copper in them. And it's like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Paul Cardis, the founder and CEO of Avid Ratings to talk about ratings, reviews, but also he's going to go in depth on some key terminology like review gating, something you need to know what it is so that you're not doing it because it's illegal and Google will ban you. We'll be right back.
And we're back with Paul Carter, the founder and CEO of Avid Ratings. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Kevin. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. And those of you regular listeners know that Paul made a guest, uh, a short guest appearance on our live recording at the Online Sales and Marketing Summit in Dallas this year. Mm-hmm. But this one is all about Paul, his company, and what they do to help builders and why that is so important. So we're kind of tongue-in-cheek saying the title of this 360 is, Are You Listening to Your Customers For Real? Like, for real, real. <laughs> <laughs> or are you just listening to make sure they're not cursing your name? Or are you really listening to the to the deeper conversations that they're trying to have you? Um, Paul, just as a, a quick introduction, why don't you tell us kind of geographically where you're based out of and, and what Avid Ratings is all about? Sure. So uh, we're based out of Madison, Wisconsin. That's our headquarters. We have offices in Phoenix, Arizona, as well as Toronto, Canada. And uh, we've been around now. This will be our 27th year of working with home builders to measure and improve the customer experience. Wow, that's a that's a long time, my friend. Yeah, I had it no is. idea. 27 yeah, years. 27 years. I know. It feels like yesterday, to be honest, guys. It, uh, yeah, I jumped in. I was a graduate student here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I was in the PhD program. And um, I, I had a buddy of mine bring me a survey. Uh, he worked for a builder. Lexington Homes, I believe, was the company back then. We uh, were down in Chicago. And he said, hey, um, you know, help me. I'm getting this survey about my customers. And he was a project superintendent and a uh, very good childhood friend. And so I, I, uh, I took the time, worked with him and, and look at the survey and, and I realized, you know, wow, this is interesting. You know, here it is, you know, the number one purchase that people are going to make uh, affects them deeply. Uh, and, uh, and and yet they're really just starting to get some measurement around what the experience is like. And this is 1992, you know, and it took off and we've had, you know, quite an interesting, uh, you know, ups and downs. We got to ride out the last uh, huge downturn. Well, but that's history now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is history now. Now it's a good story to tell. You don't have to live, live it anymore. More, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope not anyway. Correct. Uh, but it's definitely been um, a great run. I, I really enjoy working with home builders. You know, people, um, hey, why don't you go into other industries? And we never made that decision because we really enjoy housing. What's interesting, Paul, is that about, I would guess, guesstimate half of the people that I work with or more now of all the builders around the country have were not around, did not experience mm-hmm. it. Not just because they weren't in home building, but they just weren't of age to be working during the great recession. I'm raising my hand over here just, to that. Yeah. It, it's fascinating because that's that means that we are officially the old yes, guard. Uh, like you said, Paul, you feel like you're dating yourself, but now it's kind of like I'm 37 and I'm one of the I'm, I'm like the old guy who remembers back in the day when you walked up uh, walked to school uphill both ways. Mm-hmm. I think that's <laughs> <No>. strange. <laughs> yeah, it happens fast, and uh, but it, it truly is um, uh, a different day now, right? When you talk about where the industry has been, where it's going, I think we're finally getting digital. You know, we're finally really getting modernized and the customer experience is now paramount for a home builder more so than it ever was. And um, for us, I guess we were we were lucky enough to had gotten in very, very early when there were no Google ratings. There was no Yelp, right? We watched the emergence of these technologies and sites and transfer knowledge and, uh, and Zillow, right? So take us back to that time, Paul. Um, I, 1992, yeah, yeah. you said, is when you started? So what was, I mean, that was, be, was the calculators were around <laughs> then, I think. Yeah. Um, dot matrix printers. Yeah, how did you collect but, reviews. Yeah. Well, good news, guys, is mathematics has been around for a very long time, uh, as well as <laughs> surveys. They've been along for a lo- around a long time. Survey research was my area of specialty. I was the kid at the grad, the grad student who the professors used to line
line up at the door to have crunch the numbers. So I was trained up on the old SPSS, SAS. So for some of the old folks on the call, they'll remember those software platforms. But that's how we crunched. And the computer was new. I remember uh, we weren't, you know, punching the cards. I was post the whole, you know, data cards. But I remember <laughs> the data cards. And I remember seeing yeah. the old big, you know, mainframe rooms and all that stuff. And then, but then the microcomputer came out. So my, I really cut my teeth with the first when Microsoft came out and the first statistical SAT programs were released and I got really into it. And I was literally writing code for SPSS and SAS and um, and those codes would, would run and crunch the numbers. Okay. And so it was paper and pencil back then. Scanning was around, you know, we had the old Scantron sheets. So if you were, you were really cool, you had a Scantron sheet <laughs> and people filled in a bubble and you got those scanned, which was helpful. But even then really it was paper and pencil and you hand, you hand entered it in because there was no text recognition. You, you just had to hand key it in. Um, but we were, yeah, we were working on early Windows when Windows was the, you know, really the main operating system that that, it, that existed. And you said your friend reached out to you to have you look at the survey. But once you started the business itself, did you have to convince, I mean, were builders looking for that service? Were they already using something else and you were the new kind of better solution? What did that It was like 90% like nobody cared. As my father would tell me, he said, build, builders, builders <laughs> were operating by the seat of their pants. He said it was a very much a field of dreams model, you know, build it and they will come and data and research, you know, uh, that was for the more advanced guys, you know, but most of the market just, mm-hmm. you know, they all went on intuition and experience and, uh, and, and customer service. Well, it was, you know, did we fix the problem that that's the standard, you know, did we answer our phone and were mm-hmm. we kind? Uh, we've gone a long way from since then uh, in terms of that. And today I'd say well, back then the 90% didn't do anything on surveys. It was just a few really innovative ones that were like my buddy's company. Uh, and then today it's the complete mm-hmm. reversal. Now I would say 90 plus percent of the industry is survey with somebody, whether it's us or somebody else. I mean, yeah. you know, I think you would agree there's, there aren't many out there aren't surveying right now. Yeah. They're, they're all trying it some way, not necessarily the best way, but they're all trying to get their arms around it. For, for me, I remember I was at Miranda Homes here in Columbus. We were doing around 800 homes a year and the, the regional VP at the time started to become interested in, in asking about surveys and our opinions on the survey process, which we were doing, but then they didn't really go anywhere. Once there was a rumor mill, this is probably 2004, the rumor mill was that JD Power was going to get into the home builder ratings business. And so then there was some concern about, you know, if this comes to our market and we have the ratings we have now, we're, we're toast. Yeah, that so was it, kind of that, that beginning of starting to care a little bit more. for Right. Real. In fact, that was a watershed moment for our company, you know, prior to from 92 to 97, 97 is the year JD Power came in, I remember, um, because it was uh, it was a dark day for me when that happened. And I was really worried that it was over. I remember calling my dad saying, well, it's been a fun run. You know, the big guys are in and you know, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be hanging them up soon. And, uh, you, know, so, uh-huh. you know, and he said, Paul, that's not the case. He was very wise about it. And he said, no, I don't agree with you at all. I think if anything, they're going to validate what you're doing. And uh, so the season pro taught the young kid. I mean, my 20s, I didn't know really much. And he really did. He, he, he nailed it. Right. And that's exactly what happened is that they validated and they created the fear and builders that, oh my gosh, this, we can't ignore it. We can't just, you know, bury our cat customer sat or lack thereof. We, we got to do something about it. And so all of a sudden our mm-hmm. phones were ringing good. Back then. When did you start seeing things go digital? I, I think that it, it really happened around the, the Google and Yelp period. I mean, that that really was the digital movement. And and, and it really, I, I know this is going to sound terrible, but it wasn't until this decade that our builders really finally woke up, right? So from 97 all the way uh-huh. till I'm going to tell you through into 2000, 
2012, right? We basically were non-digital as an industry now. Uh, and, wow. uh, and it was a nice thing yeah. to have. It wasn't I need to have it. Gotcha. Um, do, you th- do you still think they're waking yep. up if you could have like a percent of builders that get it, if that, that's in quotes, that really get it? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, not everybody's there yet. But I think uh, I predicted that it was going to be 2015 was going to be the year we finally had the big uh, you know, wake up call in the industry really transition to transparency, I called it. Um, I was wrong. It, it wasn't 15. And actually more was like this last year and uh, in 18. That's when I think we really saw builders didn't fight us on it anymore. You know, the arguments of well, I can't push out my reviews. I might have a bad review out there. Uh, that was kind of the hallmark argument that builders would use to, yep. to not participate in a digital review process because, you know, uh, or they went with services that they could only push out their positive reviews, which was legal uh, up until really the end of 2016. And, uh, and so this last couple of years has been tectonic in terms of our industry. I mean, it's really an amazing story that I'd like to share with you guys on what happened, the federal legislation that came in and just everything that changed in the last two years. Yeah, let's do it. Because I think that's a big, the mm-hmm. big part of it is how can you trust those reviews? And it's one thing to see a star rating or a number or some nice comments that was, that's been around forever. I remember making books for model homes of here's the happy homeowner stories in a, in a book. Um, so that, that, that idea has been around a long time of third party validation. But I think a lot of what you've been involved with from the legislation side has really gone another level in terms of generally, can I trust or not trust what I'm seeing? So yeah, in 2012, as the Googles were coming online, as the uh, star ratings uh, online were becoming a thing, the Yelps and everything were starting to get into our space and evaluate builders. And JD Powers became very irrelevant, right? Uh, and that really happened in the mid 2000s and then just sort of accentuated. It, it went dark during the downturn yeah. for a little bit. And then they pulled out in 2010, literally JD Powers said, we're out of here. And they shut down the home building division. Yeah. And that was a big, big day for us. So then we were all like, okay, the gorilla's gone. Now, now what? And then, you know, Google and Yelp and, and these other rating sites started filling the voids very slowly, but they surely did. And with that came out services that said, hey, by the way, uh, we will go ahead and review your customers and only push out your happy customers. You can use our platform to digitize this process and we will actually make you guys look great. We even had companies out there that said, why don't we go out there and put in falsified reviews for you that make you look good? Mm-hmm. And so there were yeah. services like that that are happening quite rampant. And many of our home builder clients uh, actually turned us off and said, you know, Avid, unless you can do what these guys are doing, we're not going to do this. And we looked at it yep. and, and and our stomachs turned. Uh, all of a sudden, what we, what we were trying to do, which is really be the leading resource for building quality and help transform this industry, was now completely subverted. Um, I candidly was about ready to sell the company. Um, I, I really could not stomach the thought of, you know, making bad builders look good um, and hurting the yeah. industry because I came from it. My father, you know, has been going to the International Builders Show going back into the 60s. Um, you know, I, I, I have, a, I had a, a, a much better viewpoint of who we are as an industry and all our good clients that we had, uh, to know now that all this hard work they put in was really now for not because, you know, their competitors who were really quite bad could just falsify, uh, or, or game the system. It was really hard, mm-hmm. really, really hard guys. And, and there were dark A's. And so we, we held our line though. That's just something I'm very proud of that we never went in and sub- or subverted to, uh, or, or submitted to 
to the to the review gating, the filtering, uh, all the games that were being played to just basically yeah, yeah the, the washing, the washing yeah of reviews. We just wouldn't do it, and we lost business. And on top of the recession, we lost business because of that. Because one of our key competitors was a major part of their platform was the ability to do that. So um, you know, we got down to you know really is getting late in the game here, about fifteen now, two thousand fifteen. Now I'm really starting to wear out and really starting to feel the pain of this. Even though the market's recovering, it was recovering and that was great, but builders were still turning to the easy path. I like to say I was selling, you know, medicine for for curing uh, their problems uh, and they were selling crack cocaine, you know, and it was really, really hard to compete with that, you know. Um, yeah. I just, you know, I had, I had, yeah, I had term. aspirin and they had, the they had, term. they had yeah. co- cocaine and it's just really hard to, to compete. But then all of a sudden I got, uh, I, I, I got uh, an email from one of the lobbyists that was mentioning that there's a bill coming out on this issue of reviews. Uh, and uh, and I reached out then to NAHB um, and I believe Darren Powers was his name at the time. Anyway, he, he I think he's passed now, but he um, was very instrumental in connecting me with Washington on this bill. So apparently Daryl Issa, congressman, was pushing out a bill because this was not just our industry was suffering. Uh, all, all industry was suffering right. from mm-hmm. the integrity of falsified reviews back in this 15, uh, 2015 going into 2016. And so a bill was put on the floor, um, a Republican sponsored bill called the Consumer Review Fairness Act. And lo and behold, uh, it, it started a whole process. Um, and now the discussion started happening uh, at the highest levels of our government about, is this the right thing to do? Or should we allow coming? Because frankly, they weren't breaking the law. It was perfectly legal for you to falsify your reviews. You wanted to filter your reviews. I mean, basically it's the Wild West and there's and they were not breaking the law. It was just ethically, it didn't feel right. That's the only standard that was there. And this reminded me of the 1920s when we had truth and advertising issues, right? Where you could have ads that claimed, hey, pour this tonic on your head and it'll grow your hair back or, you know, make you grow two inches. And uh-huh. it was all false, right? So then we had truth and advertising, which is a standard congressional act that was passed to uh, clean it up and, and it, it transformed commerce and you know, have consumer protection rights. So, but here we are, you know, back to that again. Uh, and uh, you could do whatever you want in the review. So clearly something needed to be done. FTC got involved and FTC started passing some guidelines to try and put some things around it. And then the federal law came through and we got active. Um, I met with uh, Paul Ryan here in Madison, the Speaker of the House at the time, and uh, provided him with some insights as to what we thought. Uh, Angie's list, uh, Angie Hicks was involved. Yelp was involved. In fact, it got called the Yelp law for a while there. It was starting to be. So everybody who was in our <laughs> space, the big boys and the little guys like us, were all now, you know, in favor of this because our, our industry literally was crumbling from beneath our feet. And uh, we went from an industry of an integrity yeah. to a complete sham. And uh, nobody was feeling good about it. Nobody that was worth anyway. And uh, so we all got behind it. Um, and uh, and we were hoping the bill was going to be passed. And then it failed. And in 2016, we could not get the bill passed. Uh, the election came up. We assumed uh, Hillary Clinton was going to win. And we, we basically all packed our bags and said, OK, well, we'll wait for the, the new president and the new Congress and we'll address it in future years. And we literally, I remember going mm-hmm. into December um, and had closed the books on you know, all my efforts with this thing and the lobbying and the support and the writing of the articles and all of that. And uh, and then I got a call in mid-December uh, from our lobbies. He said, you're not going to believe it, but the bill just passed. And I said, how can that be? The Congress is in lame duck session. You know, the, the you know Clinton lost. and or, I'm sorry, no, uh, sorry, no, Obama. It was Yeah, Clinton lost, but Obama was still in power right through December. So we we're in the lame duck session. And, and then, uh, and then I guess one of the last things he did before he left was um, pulled together a, a, 
clandestine group of the congressman. They pushed it up and he signed it and it went into law, Consumer Review Fairness Act, which is the first law in our in our um, uh, country's history that addresses customer reviews. Now, it, it's watered down. It's full of holes. There's problems with it. It's not perfect. Sure. But it was sure. our first bill <laughs> and, it did, and it did change things dramatically. Now, finally, it set a standard, at least, that we could all, and, and it showed that there was national attention here and, and it gave the FEC strength. And so since that passage now, we've seen an immense change. Um, but interestingly enough, the, that was passed in December of 16. I, so go ahead. Yep. This is my favorite part of the story. Yeah. Sure. So so I was then, you know, thinking, hey, I won. You know, I'm dancing in the end zone thinking, great, we got something here. But uh, I learned real quick that law didn't matter, <laughs> that, that nobody cared. And and uh, and I kept talking about the law and everybody just sort of yawned. And, and it was it was really getting zero attention and zero change in the market. FEC started prosecuting, got a little bit of attention, but still nothing really. And so we passed through 2017, very little changed. Our competitors were still doing what they were doing before. They didn't even care. It was really amazing. And then 2018, April of this past year, Google finally comes out and says, okay, if you are review gating, this is the term they used, review gating, where you are gating your negative reviews to go to nowhere land and only allowing your positive reviews to go to Google star ratings, which is essentially cheating mm-hmm. the reviews, right? It's not a fair representation. They will ban you now from Google. And this, this edict got put out in April of last year. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Now, all of a sudden, the, the clients or the clients that were doing this started to rethink that. Competitors who were offering that immediately changed their services. Uh, I mean, literally, it all changed. Uh, one of the companies even sold because they just said the owners didn't know what to do. So they just sold the thing. Yeah. And wow. uh, and you had all of them coming out now very much in favor of the, this, new, this new policy. So we don't, you know, we're still seeing signs of it out there. There's a few providers that are still doing it, really, but are not. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. name names, but they're still out there. But it cleaned up a lot of it. I would say more than half to 60% of all the bad stuff has been cleaned up now quite a bit. Uh, but there's still 40% out there that are on the wrong side of this deal and think it's okay. But it is. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that part of the story. It's just federal government passes a law. Yep. Yawn. Google says, hey, we're going to just, obviously, they can't put you in jail or we're just going to take you off our platform. Everything changes. I think yeah, Google awesome. was the real enforcer. You know, the threat of being off Google. I mean, think of it. If you were a builder and, oh, yeah, you're not going to be in Google anymore. I mean, you're quite a business, you know. Uh, so have you seen that push kind of some of these uh, nefarious tactics to non-Google places? Do you still, like, is there still corners of the internet where if, you know, if someone you really cared about was looking for reviews, you'd say, ah, maybe be a little bit more weary of stuff on social platforms or is or is it kind of helped clean up you across know, the board as providers themselves? Well, no, I, I agree. I mean, remember, Google's just one of the platforms. And so if you go to the other platforms, they don't have those type of restrictions. So you can do whatever you want there. You are still violating uh, FTC, mind you, um, mm-hmm. but there is more nefarious stuff happening in other places. But people are still review gating on Google. I mean, this is the one thing is that Google has been pretty bad on enforcement. Is is there ban to both the person participating and gating the reviews and the review source? You know, is it as both I, parties? I, under, I understand it's Google My Business. So if you have a Google My Business and of course you're listing your star ratings, <laughs> right? Uh, and yeah. your star ratings are falsified or gated, they would just turn your Google, your business, my business oh, off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that remind, remember, Andrew, this was, this was like four months ago. Andrew showed me a, my business listing where they were using the star oh, emojis yeah. in their title to make it look like they had a five star. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. And they had five star. I think they even had the most reviews. Like right. they were the obvious choice anyways, but I don't know. It was really bizarre. It, it looked shady. Look shady. They weren't helping themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, so Paul, what would you tell some 
someone who's working for a smaller organization who right now, maybe they don't do reviews at all, or like um, it can be tough, especially if you're a younger person in marketing and, and you understand the importance of it, of reviews and, and hearing from the customer. What are the kind of, if you could give them a sell sheet to go to their owner, what would be the, the major themes on that sheet of how do I convince someone who thinks that even if it's free, they just really don't, they think it's a waste of time to go down that road. Or or if it is has, has some expense tied to it, they just say, eh, let's just buy some more ads instead. Uh, I would say a millennial won't buy a pizza without a star rating. How the heck do you expect them to buy one of your home? Uh, the, the power of the ratings and reviews it's pretty is good, so <laughs> important, right? I mean, uh, there's products I will buy because there's a star difference, right? This one's three stars. This one's four stars. I'm buying the four star product. You know, it is uh, right now the means by which we are validating uh, what this is going, how this is going to feel for me after I buy it. And it works. It, it's flawed. There are are certainly bad reviews. There's falsified reviews, but that I think has tightened up now that the system still works, right? And, you know, there are times when you buy a four-star product and it doesn't result in a good experience. So there are these events that happen, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, when I go to a restaurant and it's got 4.2 or 4.5 review, you know, star rating, I, I have a good meal, right? I have a decent experience or a great experience. So um, it works for most people. And so they still trust it. And so yeah, you awesome. need to have that to sell to these homes because it's a high risk purchase. So it's even more important. Yep, absolutely. And you said 4.2 star ratings. So talk a little bit about is perfection's not required, mm-hmm. right? Every home builder is going to mess up. Everyone's going to mess up. And we've had news articles uh, on other episodes where like statistically speaking, different news outlets have done studies of saying, you know, the biggest impact on reviews is responding, is just responding to each and every one can potentially be as important as having a great rating in and of itself, just showing that you're paying attention and you care. Talk a little bit about how how, how perfect the builders need to be or how scared do they need to be about perfection. Yeah, in fact, perfection is the enemy right now. Uh, if you are in a perfectionist mindset, you're not going to understand today's world. You're not going to function well in this review environment because it is inherently imperfect. It will, you are going to have a bad review. Uh, you hope you don't, mm-hmm. but it will eventually happen. Uh, and you may have many bad reviews at some time too. The point here is that what customers want today is certainty. They want confidence and certainty that you are, are making efforts, that you still are good enough, not perfect. And I think that's a huge difference for our clients because we come from I think some of the older generation, the Xers and the boomers, we think more in terms of perfection, right? We marketed homes and we did it in a way with, you know, beautiful pictures of, you know, couples and in green grass and, you know, perfect houses. <coughs> everything perfect, 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 right? Because that's the way we did things. Today, everything is genuine focused. Uh, the ads today are not of, you know, beautiful pictures and perfect people. Uh, it's now more genuine and real and, uh, and flawed. And so, in fact, flaw I think is the new authenticity badge. And, and that's what people are looking for. So reviews are really important even when they're bad. When they're bad reviews, this is the moment of truth now. How did we handle it? Exactly. Did we respond? Did we show that we cared and we're trying? Did it resolve in finally getting that buyer's uh, issue taken care of? I mean, those are golden moments as a buyer that we're looking for now. We're saying, you know, hey, I'm okay with that. You know, there's still, as long as you're still good enough and, and you're showing that and you have that confidence and certainty through your reviews, you're a winner all the way. And that is what we need to focus on because too many builders are afraid to jump in because they are not perfect. And it's right, because nobody mm-hmm. is perfect. No customer experience is going to be perfect all the time. And it is those uh, those customer terrorists that we've had in our past that we're afraid of, that we think they're going to take over. 
Um, but we need not worry necessarily. I mean, you know, you have to see how bad you are. I mean, there is a watermark. If you're below good enough, and I like to call it the Goldilocks zone, you know, kind of take it from a, an astronomy mm. example, right? Yep. You don't want to be too good. If you're too good, there's another problem. People don't believe it. We had that with one of our first yep. clients who launched. Yep. They were perfect. I mean, they literally, the reason they trusted us to put their star ratings out there is because they were so damn good. Well, <laughs> guess what? They got a little benefit from it. We, and we were scratching our heads. We we're like, well, this didn't work out so good. And, and it really threw us for a, a loop. Yeah. And then they started getting some bad reviews. And then next thing you know, the salespeople started to see that customers were talking about the reviews and that they were relevant. So it was interesting that the bad review actually is what sold more home for that because it, it created authenticity. That crazy. That's a, yeah. It makes total sense. You guys are going big and scale, not just in terms of employee count and investment and all that. But uh, at the online summit, you talked about working on a partnership with Home Depot or Lowe's. Yes, yeah, we are now in the retail stores. So we're very excited that uh, that Avid wow. is a review supplier for Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, Build.com. Whoa, uh, this is what I'm few. talking about. Quite a few Andrew, names like here. Rockstar. We're just gonna we're just gonna lay out like the eight of the top ten retail. Wal- say that again. Walmart, Walmart Lowe's, Home Depot, Build.com are now carrying Avid. Uh, oh, Wayfair as well is now carrying Avid in its in its oh, websites uh, for consumers to re- to read our reviews that we've collected on behalf of our clients. And that's because you have products that are used by home builders where you're getting individual ratings on like a faucet and then that's flowing through to a faucet that you may be able to purchase out on Wayfair yes. or tell me. That's correct. So we're actually helping okay. our building okay. product manufacturers. The builders aren't selling their, you know, they're not selling in Walmart. They're not selling in Home Depot at Wayfair. Right. So obviously right. for the builders, this is a layer down. This is into the product world where with consent of everybody, we're able to uh, curate reviews of products and then those products now are, are then displayed in these uh, retail sites and consumers can review them. That helps our clients though, because they also can put reviews on their websites on products. So imagine if you're a builder now and you want to sell a new Sensate faucet, which is about $1,200 per faucet. It's very expensive. But for some customers, that's you know something they're interested in. Imagine now if you could increase your sales dramatically by including Avid reviews as part of that in your options and design center. So you're saying kind of the reverse flow of, obviously you're not buying that faucet at Walmart, but if you it, pulling all the reviews from Walmart, so you have a larger number of reviews about the faucet that the builder can then pull in. So yeah. you're saying? Yeah, we're building the largest database of building product reviews right now in the country and the world, maybe. I don't know. We had uh, Tim Rethlake from, from Heat and Glow and Fireside Hearth and Home Technologies. Their fireplaces are better, but they they are going to need your rating process to help. So I think it's I think it's awesome. And I'm, I'm trying to think out loud of, you know, Angie's List used to be a great kind of vendor supplier thing, but I feel like all those have either through acquisition, they've all changed or gone away. Like the only place that I really trust ratings and reviews generally would be Amazon, uh, Google, and you guys. And I don't across anything else. Maybe JD Powers for cars only, mm-hmm. but I think there's this still this huge vacuum of of a trustworthy source to get reviews from because of all the things we've already talked about. With uh, well, thanks for that. Last story for me is, uh, and, then, and then we'll then we'll wrap it up. We used a, a faucet manufacturer, and someone else offered us two hundred thousand dollars upfront to switch to their faucets and more uh, rebates and and all kinds of great stuff. And our purchasing guy was like, how can we not do this? And the answer was, this is eight years ago. The answer was because our service cost is going to skyrocket in comparison to what mm-hmm. it is now, because we just know that those other faucets have service issues, ha- have had them in the past. Other builders are using them. We understand they still have service issues. And so the lifetime cost of putting that faucet in is ultimately going to be higher for us because not even talking about brand damage and reputation and all the rest, just we don't we don't want to put something in that we, f- we know we're going to get more service calls from. Not a, not not a good, good plan. plan. Oh, I get it. Well, Paul, thanks so much for yeah, thanks, taking Paul. the time to, to sit down with us.
us and love love having you on. Good luck on on the continued growth and success. It's exciting to watch really take off like a, a rocket. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kevin. You guys have always been great supporters. We enjoy working with you. We um, Again, we come from within the industry. We're only going to do things that are going to help our industry and do it right and grow. And, and uh, our core, our values are, are very aligned that way. And I'm hopeful that we can help the industry evolve versus be disrupted because if we don't evolve, we will be disrupted. Somebody will come around and thrust this upon the industry. And that may not be so pleasant for our clients if they wake up one day and uh, they don't have uh, themselves lined up to succeed. So, you know, I, I agree with you to, to heck with ending on a high note. Let's just end it on. <laughs> I mean, there is no question. The disruption is going to happen. There will just how many of the current players are going to be able to evolve to keep up. Um, but there's no doubt just the raw amounts of money oh, yeah. and energy of people trying to do it, that it, it will happen. It's just, are you going to be adapt enough and be, be able to adapt quickly enough to, to avoid extinction? Yep. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Question of the week. This one is a little bit techie, but we're going to make it a, a quiz, a multiple choice format in the Facebook group for everyone to answer. Are you using Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, or you're not sure? And maybe we should add nothing. Yeah, good choice. Nothing. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to admit to that. So I think the not no. sure is, is okay. And it's okay if you're not sure because not everyone in the Facebook group is you know running marketing from top to bottom. Uh, you may have an agency or partner who's running it for you. It's okay. I'm not sure does not mean that you don't know how to do any of this other stuff that we, we talk about here. But I'm really curious how many folks have made the switch to tag manager because it is generally speaking going to be a better and easier way to do it but it is does have a learning curve it's not like you just switch out your analytics code or tag manager i know uh, we always have this thing when we ask a question we're like are people gonna answer honestly truthfully there's no wrong answer here analytics is totally functional we'll track and i mean yeah like you said andrew 80 70 percent of the builders we work with probably still have analytics in some form and maybe not sure could be not sure but my stuff works so it's not like you're saying not sure because you're yeah. right like you there don't you know what's going yeah. on but you're like i don't even like it's working we've looked at reports for two years as long as you have access to analytics right yep. yeah so yes. not sure but i have access to analytic data that i can use i'll yeah. change it to that that's a good idea yeah <laughs> awesome. all right that'll do it for this week for published articles blog posts videos and more check out deconvert.com it's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on facebook instagram linkedin and anywhere else that we are on social media also some added events to the event page. Got one coming up in April in Atlanta and then also got PCBC and the 40 Under 40 conference in San Francisco in May. So you can check out more information there on the events page. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye.